Yeah. Here we go again. Living lives of sacrifice. Really, we began the, uh, the, the first Sunday of the month talking about being consumed for Jesus Christ. Going into 2015, being consumed with Jesus, but you cannot be consumed without going where we've been going lately. I want to go there again. Recapping a little bit from last week, we talked about how the same spirit that resided over the first tabernacle where the glory of God was so strong that Moses could not even enter. The same spirit that surrounded the Ark of the Covenant that made it a spiritual lightning rod to all those who were around it. The same spirit that resided behind the veil of Solomon's temple, behind the Holy of Holies, within the Holy of Holies. That same spirit now dwells and resides within the hearts of the redeemed. And because of this glorious fact, and if you just dwell on that for a little while, that is a glorious fact. Because of this glorious fact, our bodies have become the new temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where the Holy Spirit resides. So many times we think of this building as the temple. It's not the temple. It's just a place where the temples meet, (laughs) where God's people meet, although we we want to be good stewards of where we meet corporately and, and honor it, but uh, um, it is not the temple uh, of where God is meeting. You see, it's not enough just to accept the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, but then go out and live your life in these bodies however we so choose. Amen? Let me read that again. I didn't get much of a response. You see, it's not enough to, just to accept the free gift of salvation in Jesus, but then live out our life in these bodies however we so choose. We are required to live holy lives, which will require us to live lives of sacrifice. If you remember, I told you before that the Greeks, they thought that the physical body was worthless that these physical shells were just prisons to hold the soul in. But if you think about it, if our bodies were indeed so worthless as the Greeks believed, then God would not have chosen to send his son and take on this human earthly flesh. For when God made man, he said that it was good. We said last week how God not only wants our hearts, he wants our minds, he wants our brains, he wants our entire bodies. And to emphasize how important it is that we live holy lives, which involves our bodies, listen to the words that Jesus said in Mark chapter 9. He said this, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands, to go to hell and to the fire that shall never be quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame, rather than having two feet, to be cast into hell and to the fire that shall never be quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye, rather than having two eyes, to be cast into hell, fire, where the worm, their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, 
Did Jesus really mean that we are to cut off our hands or to cut off our feet or to pluck out our eyes? Well, no, but folks, he did make a profound statement, did he not? That is a profound statement. Why did he say that? Why would he make such a statement? I believe that he is trying to get, now listen, he was instituting a new way a new way that it was now going to be about the heart, not about just outward actions, but it was going to be about the heart. He was trying to get his followers to see just how important it is that there, if there is anything in our bodies that is causing us to stumble, if there is anything in our bodies that is causing us to sin, we had better do whatever it takes to get rid of that. Amen? We'd better do whatever it takes. And notice that Jesus in this passage is talking about heaven and hell destinations. This is a serious topic, church. This is how important it is that we sacrifice to God anything that is not of him. Anything that is sinful must be sacrificed. Some of you may be saying this, Pastor Brock, how can I do this? How can I make this weak and frail body, live a holy life, live a life that is pleasing to God. I mean, these bodies of ours have some pretty strong urges, don't they? They have some pretty strong inclinations, uh, some pretty strong emotions, uh, reactions that at times we just think it's impossible to not give in to these bodies of ours. This is where I want to transition or the new part of the message today. Anything harmful or sinful that the hand does, anything harmful or sinful that the foot does, or anything harmful or sinful that the eye or eyes do, or that the ears do, the mouth does, or the mouth says, it all begins, we learned last week, where? In the mind. The mind can be a very powerful thing. The mind can be a very powerful thing. How many golfers do we have out there this morning? Let me see your hands. Carl, I know you're one. Golfers, golfers around? Okay, all right. I I, uh, came across a story um, just the other day. Back uh, during the Vietnam War, there was a colonel named uh, uh, George Hall. And he was uh, uh, taken prisoner during the Vietnam War and during that, that time, he had spent seven years as a POW in a Vietnamese prison camp. The living conditions were incredibly harsh. Torture, battle of the mind. For seven long years, he lived in a very small cell, and they said that normal men or women would just collapse under the pressure, under the weight of it all. But there's one thing that Colonel George Hall did every day. He, he liked to golf, and he was just a very average golfer, nothing special. He just liked to go out and, and, and hack like the most of us do. And, but in his mind, every single day, every day for seven years, he played a round of golf in his mind. Isn't interesting? Now, he just didn't go out and hit a couple balls. I mean, in his mind, he walked up to each and every tee put the ball on the tee, swung, hit the ball, watched the ball go, 
and he walked to where the ball went on that first hole in his mind. There were a couple of times in his mind he hit it in the sand trap. He would hit it out of the sand trap. He would, uh, he would get the rake, and he would rake the sand around the sand trap. Every day for seven years in a row, he played around a golf. When he was finally released seven years later, he was minus 100 pounds, very weak, very frail. But one of the first things he wanted to do was he wanted to go play around the golf. He had done it so many times in his mind. The mind is an amazing thing. Now keep in mind, he had lost 100 pounds. He was very frail, very weak. And this is one of the first things he did like within a week of when he got back. At the time, there was uh, the Greater New Orleans Invitation uh, open, and they invited him down just to play a guest round. He shot a 76. Now, for those of you who are not golfers, that's not too far off of what pros shoot. Seven years in a concentration camp, or prisoner camp, prisoner of war, every day shot it in his mind. One of the media members uh, thought it was just amazing, but he said it was just beginner's luck. To which Colonel George Hall said, luck, there's no such thing to luck. He said, I have not three-putted a hole in five years. Think about that. The mind is a powerful thing. And God knows that. You see, God knows the mind. He's the one that created your mind and my mind. He's the one person who fully understands what the mind and the body is capable of doing. He knows the actions of the body begins in the mind, which is why he inspired the Apostle Paul to write the words that we have been studying. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's where we've been for the last couple of weeks. But here we are going to turn the corner here. And I was just, man, I was pretty jacked up when God began speaking to me this week about some things. The second half is this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's the mind, isn't it? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And to that, I want to dive and dig today. The Greek word that is used for the word conform, let's talk about that. The Greek word that is used for that is shema. And it refers to the outward Man refers to when we, we change our outward being, our outward actions to look and appear as someone or something else. Conforming is something that we as humans do rather well, isn't it? I remember, I didn't, there are some things that I will ask my family for permission to share and some things I don't. I did not ask for permission on this, but I think it's okay. Um, when Jenna was six or seven, she used to uh, go around the house in her Hannah Montana wig, and she would have her little microphone. 
and she'd go flitting around the house and dancing all around the house and, and singing the best of both worlds or whatever that song is, all right? And uh, we have that on video, video and it's, it's the sweetest, cutest thing. If you want to see it, let me know, and I'll show, I'll show it to you. No, I won't do that. Kevin, Kevin's going to pay me for that. Yeah. What was she doing? Jenna was conforming to the image of a Hannah Montana. She was acting like her. She was sounding like her. She tried to look like her. She was conforming. You know, just ask any teenager, and they know how to conform, right? Uh, when it comes to peer pressure, any teenager knows how to conform. If there's an image that they want, they just... Uh, I remember whenever I was a kid, um, uh, we, we would take our, our, our uh, um, jeans and we would pin them to where they were real tight around the ankles, okay? Some of you know what I'm talking about, and you have the high tops and all that. I wanted to be cool. I, we, we were conforming. Obviously, that can be a bad thing, too. You get kids that, that uh, want to be with, with a crowd that they think is cool, and before they know it, they're doing things that they've never done before, smoking, drinking, drugs, going to parties, doing some crazy, wild things. But what they're mainly doing is conforming to whoever or whatever they want to be. But what Paul is saying here is that we as a church, we cannot allow our lives to conform to the evil, the sinful, the godless patterns and trends of the world. Okay? Don't be like a chameleon who takes its colors from its surroundings. Conform. Don't conform. Let's go to our next word. The Greek word for transform is the word morph. Now, we know what that word means, right? To morph, to change into something that we're not. It, uh, it goes beyond our outward actions. It's a, now listen here, it's a radical change to the inward man to our very natures. Oh, now we're talking about something different. A radical change to the inward man. It's a change that has occurred within the very nature. This is profound. You see, now this is all of a sudden something that we cannot do ourselves. It must be a God-Holy Spirit thing. Conforming, which we can do ourselves, listen, conforming brings no change to the inward man. Our natures are the same. As much as Jenna wanted to be like Hannah Montana, at the end of the day, she was still Jenna Barnhouse. We may be able to change our actions, but our inward man stays the same. Now follow me with this. Paul says that if we are going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God, our very natures must be radically transformed. Maybe you've never heard this before. Maybe we're going to a depth that you've never been to before. This fact just exploded in my heart and in my mind this week. What I did not fully see or comprehend until this week is that this entire verse, this entire conversation that we've been having has to do with our nature. What do I mean? 
our natures which were sinful from birth, which we got from Adam in Romans 5 tells us. Our natures underwent a radical change the day we asked Jesus into our hearts. Our entire being, our body, our soul, our mind became pure. It became clean. It became forgiven of all sin. Amen? That was our natures. Our natures were changed. But God knew that our experience could not stop there. Because we live in these bodies, these earthen vessels, as the word says, uh, these vessels can be weak at times. Listen to me. We need to keep these bodies pure and clean. Amen? Oh, my, if you don't understand that, if you don't believe it, then get into the word. We need to keep these bodies pure and clean. This is why so much of the New Testament urges us to live holy lives before God. This will require us to live lives of sacrifice at times. And it will require us to live lives of sacrifice for our entire life. Hmm. How do I know that this involves our natures? Paul says that this work is done through the renewing of your minds. Let's see that again. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There are two Greek words that are used for the word new, for the word new. The first one is neos, that refers to new in point of time. Basically what that's saying is it's a new day. There's a new hour. It's a new month. It's a new year. There's also a word called kenos. That means new in point of character and, you know what it says? It says new in point of character and in nature. That changes everything here, doesn't it? New and point of nature. And what word do you think is used when describing the word renewing of your mind in this passage? Kenos. Kenos. Bingo. Even though our minds are powerful. I told you that story. Now listen, even though our minds are powerful and can do some amazing things, Our minds are not powerful enough to change our nature. Only Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit can change our nature. That, that's what is taking place here. That's what, that's what the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to say, look, I need you. I'm requiring you to live holy lives. In order to do that, you must sacrifice your bodies. You must be a living sacrifice unto me. How do I do that? Well, you don't do it by conforming. Those are things that you do yourself. You must be transformed. Now that goes beyond yourself. Through the renewing of your mind, that is a work that is done by the Holy Spirit to the nature of man. Listen, our minds are powerful things, but God and God has made our minds capable of making the decision to sacrifice ourselves fully to God. Giving ourselves fully to Him, allowing Him to change us, to morph us to morph our natures into taking his 
divine nature. I'll get into that in a second. So listen, this is not about you and me working harder or trying harder. It's not about us conforming our actions. It's not about us trying to clean ourselves up. But what it is a matter of dying to self, of being willing to sacrifice anything that God asks us in order to change, in order to be transformed so that our natures can be more like Jesus Christ. Don't you want to be more like Jesus? You can't do it on your own. If you try and do it on your own, you'll just be conforming. You'll just be changing your actions and your patterns. But inside, you'll still be the same person. And dare I say, this might be why some of you are so frustrated in your Christian experience. You are the one trying to clean yourself up instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you and clean yourself up. Amen? Amen. As the bride of Christ, um, I'm just, I'm just going to say this. Uh, l- last week I made a statement. I said, do you love me? Do you still love me? Um, and, and it almost uh, came across as though um, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm trying to get your permission to speak. And really what it should have been is, do you know that I love you? Because God has already given me the authority to speak. He's given me the authority to speak his word, but I want you to know that I love you, which is why I'm speaking the truth. Right, Dave? As the bride of Christ, stay there, stay here with me, we must always guard against conforming to the harmful patterns of this world. That's the reason why 1 John says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. We must realize that we live in a sinful and a corrupt world one that is constantly trying to conform us to take on its shape. Look, my, you know, if I had my druthers, I'd just go off and live in a commune and not even have to be bothered by the world. But then how are we going to change the world if we do that, right? You know, we are, we are to be in the world and, and show the world that we're different but not conform to it. And I have to be honest with you about some things today that it makes me sick to admit that the church today looks more like the world than the other way around. We are allowing the same filthy forms of media to infiltrate our minds and our souls. Movies and TV shows and video games and Internet, which in and of themselves there is nothing wrong with, but man, there is so much that is not of God in these things. And the church is deeply integrated in it. about this more and more churches have sanctioned homosexuality as an acceptable lifestyle what many churches are now blessing behind the pulpit God's word still says is an abomination to him 
And here's, here's a tricky subject that I will probably devote an entire message to someday. Alcohol and social drinking has pervaded the lifestyle of the church like never before. Now hear me out on this. I am not pronouncing judgment on anyone's soul. Anyone who may have accepted Jesus Christ and still believes that it's okay to socially drink. But listen to me. I'm coming from someone with a holiness perspective. And I believe that anyone who has a burning desire to live a holy life, to live as holy and as close to Jesus as they can possibly live, they're going to be very careful to not allow anything Anything. Anything questionable in their life. I do believe that some people are walking with the Lord and they may be involved with certain lifestyle, whatever, that maybe they've not had that light revealed to them yet. Maybe the Holy Spirit has not yet revealed that to them. That's between them and God. And I, I, I entrust God to that. But we are to be holy people before God. These are just some samples of things that were on my heart. I, I, once, I once knew of a pastor, a pastor, who went to his board and asked his board for permission. Now, now, don't say anything because some of this I don't think is all that, about, all that much of a bad idea. Went to the board and said, you know, I'm thinking about trying to be more of an impact in this world, and there are some local bars that I'm thinking of attending. Now, stop. Right away we could say, how dare he? But where would Jesus go? Jesus oftentimes was found where? In the home of sinners. So let's not be too quick to judge that. There are times, I've talked to Pastor Kevin, there are times that during not bad, questionable times, but maybe for lunch, just go and try and be an influence in some of these places for Jesus Christ. But this pastor went on to say, I'm trying to be more of a witness. And he said, when I, but he said, I want you to know that whenever I go into these places, I'm going to sit at the bar and I'm going to talk to these people and I'm going to go ahead and start drinking beers with them too. I want them to know I'm just like them. I want to relate to them on that level. See, folks, that is conforming to the world. We've got to maintain a holy lifestyle. We've got to be careful. More and more churches are okaying divorce today. The number of divorces in the church is the same as though outside of the church. Yes, there are biblical reasons for divorce, but far too many families are being torn apart without a solid biblical excuse. Say amen or ouch. Instead of the church transforming the culture, the church is conforming to the culture I have to preach it. I have to preach it. With love in my heart, I have to preach it. In the midst of all of this mess, the Holy Spirit is weeping as he says, Child, you are to live holy before me. You are to keep your bodies, your temples, your minds pure and clean, but allow me to do the work inside of you. Allow me to do the work. Some of you may be saying, Pastor, you're getting on my nerves. Pastor, you're getting me upset. Pastor, you're getting too legalistic about this. Look, I'm not saying that we cannot enjoy the things of life. 
I was hooping and hollering a couple Monday nights ago when Ezekiel Elliott broke that one touchdown run. We were all over the living room. We were bouncing and jumping, and I think God loves that. I think God loves to see the Buckeyes win. I mean, loves to see uh, us enjoy. <laughs> sorry, Luis and Steve. I'm sorry. Shelly. I think he enjoys that. He wants us to have fun. One of my cards out on the, on the blessing table is one of my most favorite things is a pizza and a movie night with my kids. We'll get pizza and we'll get slushies from Speedway or I'll make homemade milkshakes and we'll sit down and watch a movie. But even with that, Brock and Stephanie have to be careful what movies come into the home. See, God, God, God's not trying to take away our fun, but he wants us to be holy before him too. There must be a difference in how we live, church. Did you hear that? There must be a difference in how we live and what our eyes see and what our ears hear. There must be a difference, oh boy, watch out for your toes, and how we act and how we react in the world. We ought not laugh at the same dirty jokes that are told around the water cooler, amen? Must not do that. We better not be the ones telling those jokes around the water cooler. Yes, there may be times to where it would be awkward and uncomfortable to just turn away and walk away. But are we not called to be witnesses in the world? All I'm asking you to do is check your life. And Brock, check your life. Let, or better yet, let the Holy Spirit search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let me try and bring this to a close. still have a couple points, but bring this to a close. So, knowing all of this, how does one conform? How does one be transformed through the renewing of the mind? Number one, get into the Word. Better yet, let the Word get into you. Soak it up. Have times to where you turn the TV off and just start reading the Word. Let it speak to you and let it speak through you. Obey it and apply it. Secondly, there's probably a number of things that could be added to this list before the sake of time, and Dick actually referred to it. Be around God's people. Be around God's people. Be here as much as you can be here. If it means that you have to, uh, you have to grab Arby's or McDonald's on the way to come on a Wednesday night, and hey, we'd rather have you here and eat around us and just share your fries with us and whatever, you know, and fellowship with one another. Be around God's people. There is strength when you're around God's people. Dick missed you all. That's the way it should be because we're a family. And another thing I can share with you real quickly, and this is so elementary, but you know, prayer. Prayer. Prayer is the key to unlocking. Now hear me. Prayer is one of the main keys to unlocking this transforming work in our life. Why do I say that? Through prayer, God reveals himself in any area in our life that is not right. 
He reveals things through our prayer life of anything that is competing for its rightful place. Through prayer, God empowers us to live lives of holiness. That's where the transformation, the renewing of our natures takes place is in prayer. Prayer is the key ingredient to this whole renewal process. Listen, we've been talking a lot about natures. All of these things puts us in a position. Do you realize all of these things begin that we can be like God? We don't know. Not, not the lie that Satan said in the garden. We won't be God, but we can be like God. What do I mean by that? Look at this verse. You don't have to turn there. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. As his divine power, oh, there's the power that we get through prayer, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Oh, godliness is another word for holiness, right? All of a sudden we can live lives of holiness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Here we go. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. See, it's all about our nature again, isn't it? having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God wants us to tap into his divine nature. And if you continue to read on that passage, there are things that he tells us to do to help with that. How amazing is that? How cool, awesome is that? Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. Sorry about that. I tried to go, I should have gone to another screen. Second Peter 1, 2 through 4. If we will sacrifice our entire bodies, soul, and mind to the Holy Spirit's control, he will allow us to tap into his divine nature, giving us the power to live godly, holy lives. Now, one final point and I'm through. Get into God's word. Be around God's people. Prayer. There's other things too. None of this matters, church. God hit me hard on this. None of this matters if you and I do not possess one thing. Say amen or ouch. There must be a desire. There must be a hunger for what? More of Jesus. If you do not have this hunger, you will not care to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You will not care to pursue holiness with God. You will not care to have your natures continually renewed. You will not care to even take on the divine nature of God. See, you have to have a hunger. And I believe our churches today are filled with people who have accepted Jesus Christ, who have had that moment to where they've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, but they've lost the hunger They've lost the desire. They've lost the passion. Something has happened. They've allowed something, someone or something, to come between 
himself and God. They no longer hunger for the things of God. And there are those, perhaps those in this church, and I'm almost through. There are those perhaps in this church and those all around. You know Jesus. You've accepted him. But deep inside your heart, you're saying there's got to be more. I want more. I've not been experiencing enough. I've just been kind of going through the motions. Yeah, Jesus saved me and I love him, but there's something missing. You've lost the hunger. You've lost the desire. And I'll tell you, it speaks to Brock too. If that's you, probably need to go into a prayer closet, go into your quiet place and ask for forgiveness. Why? It's because we have allowed something to interfere with that passion, with that hunger. Where are you at this morning? Where are you at? Do you hunger for God? Do you hunger to have more of him? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ and you have a hunger, your heart is, is beating, there's, there's something, your, your palms are sweating, and that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying it's time to get right with me. If you know Jesus but yet you don't have that hunger, something has gotten in the way, this morning can be a time for you to ask God to begin revealing to you what's gotten in the way. Mandy, team, you can come up. We're going to sing a song. I want to hunger after God. That means, at times, Brock Barnhouse is going to have to sacrifice something. If there's something that's interfering, if there's something in my life, I, you know, God will reveal it to you. He might say, Brock, you know, this, this is getting in the way of you hungering and thirsting after me. As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Folks, I just, I ask you and I beg you and I plead you today to be obedient to the Lord. Check your heart. Would you close your eyes, please? We're not here to just be a social club. We're not here to see our friends. We're not here to hopefully get excited about some good music or a special or whatever. I pray you're here to experience God. And God wants to do a new work in someone this morning. That old song, more of you, more of you. I've had everything that I want, everything that I need. Father God, when I speak to my, regarding myself, speak to everyone in here. God, you want us to live lives, be a living sacrifice. Don't, don't conform there's anything in our life that is not of you, then, Lord, we're, we're, we're conforming to it. Lord, help us to be transformed to the renewing of our mind. Holy Spirit, help us to give ourselves to you. Whatever it is that you're speaking to us about, you, you want us to sacrifice that before you today. Why? So that you can renew our natures. So you can make us new. You can make us more like Jesus. 
God, maybe there's someone here this morning that has grown stale. They want that hunger back. God, I pray that we'll be obedient to you. And that we'll start, we'll just start simply by saying, God, reveal to me what it is that I'm putting before you that's keeping me hungry for being hungry with you. Father, we thank you. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?